My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. For I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Anybody trust God on this fifth Sunday morning in July? To anybody trust God? Thank God for worship and praise. Praise is always in order. Because God is always worthy to be praised. Amen, amen, amen. I want to thank God again for the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. Don't count it robbery that you are in the house of the Lord. There are some folk on this week who've had some struggles greater than what you and I have had, and they could make it to the house of the Lord. But God gave us the grace and the mercy to come into his house one more time and to give him praise. Give him praise for your life. Give him praise for your breath. Give him praise because he woke you up this morning, started you on your way. Give him praise because he gave you a brand new day, new mercy that he's given to you on this day. So God is worthy of all our praise. So that we are not in front of you very long, but we rush, if you will. The second letter to Timothy chapter 2. Second letter to Timothy chapter 2, and we'll begin our reading. Read only, we'll lift one passage of scripture in your hearing. Second Timothy 2, verse 15. Second Timothy 2, verse 15. This morning, from the English Standard Version, the word of God reads thusly. Do your best. To present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed. Rightly handling the word of truth. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth if you allow me to label the lesson on this morning and tag a title to this text i want to simply say this know who you're working for know who you're working for as she sat in a hotel room just minutes after the alarm clock had awakened her she put on clothes that were slightly askew. She put on a brunette wig that covered her sandy blonde hair. She put on a different set of glasses that did not appear as the ones that she had already had. Got in a car, made her way to a store and in this store, there was a manager, a young girl manager who had some issues in life. She had a little sibling, a little sister who had a terminal illness. 
But because of her work, she could not see the little sister. She worked very hard at her job, and this lady who came, came as a new employee, and for one week she stayed with her, seeing her great diligence as she worked in tears because she had to stay in the office to run the business, but she could not ever get to her little sister. Not long after that, the lady, same lady, gets on a plane, and she goes to another city and goes into a store to work for another manager. This manager is a single mother who has lost the ability to own her own home. She has a roommate, but she works hard and is diligent in her job. And in the place where she is working, uh, the sales are through the roof. She has changed her life and lifestyle. She has lost 70 pounds. And as this lady works with her, she observes her hard work, her diligence, and her affordability in the job and how she's doing and she's so moved not too long after that she gets on another plane she flies to another city and there is a young man a young man in this city she works with he uh, is the manager of this store and he is a hard-working man but one thing that he's doing he's doing something that skirts the line of ethical uh, things in the store he's using his own credit card to purchase material for the store because the store, the large corporation, doesn't have a good system to replace what was already in the store. So he uses his own credit card to buy the products in the store that the people like, and then he voids out the credit machine, but he gets the product that he needs so the people who shop in the store can get what they want. The lady who's working with him, she's a little taken aback by this, but she understands that what he's doing, he's not doing for the good of himself. He's doing for the good of the store. Not too long after the lady leaves that store, uh, several weeks go by and the young man and the two young ladies get a phone call and they get a phone call and say that we're going to get you on a plane and fly you to our corporate office. They fly them up to the corporate office and they meet each other having not known that they've met this young lady three on three different occasions. They didn't even know each other. They were in different cities and they sat them down in a room and this same lady who had on the clothes that were slightly askew, who had on the, br the br brunette wig to cover her sandy blonde hair and the weird glasses came in with a dress that fit right. She had a new set of glasses on and they could see the beauty in her blonde hair. By now, most of you know, have watched this show. This show was simply called Undercover Boss. And though these three people did not know who they were working for, they did their work in such a way. That the CEO of the company worked with them and gave all three of them some benefits. All of them got new money for their job. The young man was able to purchase a new house. The, the young lady was able to move out of the house where she had a roommate and the other girl got two months off. She was able to go visit her sister. I'm just trying to help you this morning. You might not know who you're working for, but whatever you're doing, especially if you're doing it for the Lord, you need to do your level best. 
Do your best. Do your best. This, this is the second letter that the Apostle Paul writes to his ministerial protege, Timothy. But he didn't write just a second letter. He wrote a letter before that. And these letters, they have a different tone and a different tenor. The first letter is a letter of instruction. Teaches the young preacher uh, what needs to be done to run the local assembly of worship. He teaches him how to select people who are to be leaders in the church. He teaches him how to deal with things in the church on a day-by-day -day basis. He teaches him about things concerning instruction in the church. But then lastly, in that letter, he says, you also, Timothy, got to watch out for intruders in the church. I wish somebody heard me this morning that I know we're all in here together, but don't, don't fool yourself. Some folk are in here are intruding upon what God is doing. That's what he does in the first letter. But uh, the, the first letter was a letter of pastoral instruction. But the second letter was a little different. The second letter was an intimate letter. It was a letter of a father to a son. It was the letter of an elder brother to a younger. But he teaches this young Timothy, it was not so much about pastoral instruction, but it was about personal intimacy. Tells him how to live his life. Timothy uh, is in a place now where Paul is no longer with him. Paul actually is on death row. But on death row, he says, I need to write the young minister to let him know everything is going to be all right. And is there anybody here that can thank God for the people in your life? No matter what was going through in their life, they had enough on the inside of them to encourage you in the journey you were going on. I'm right here. Y'all let me back up from my text back to chapter one. He says to Timothy that I am where I am and where I am, I am praying for you. Paul is on death row praying for Timothy. He said, I'm praying for you because uh, I know you're in a place where you now have to lead. You now have to go forward and you're going to have to do it without me by your side. But thank God I am praying for you. And I wish somebody heard me this morning, but you ought to thank God for the folk in your life that have prayed for you. I thank God that there are folk in my life that were praying for me even when I was out there doing crazy stuff that I had no business doing, but they were still praying for me. Uh, they, somebody prayed for me. They had me on their mind. They took the time to pray for me. Aren't you glad? I'm so glad they prayed. Are you glad they prayed for you? Paul says, Timothy, I'm praying for you. Praying for you because the situation that you're in doesn't mean that it won't work for your good. Pray. 
present pain is a piece of the puzzle to God's purpose in your life. Wish somebody heard me this morning. Timothy is in pain, but the present pain of his life was simply the puzzle piece that will help shape him for the ministry that was to come. Says that present pain in your life is a puzzle piece to help you in God's purpose in your life. And he says, but here's what I need you to do, young, young minister. I need you to remember the faith that's in you. Because the faith that's in you didn't start with you. <laughs> that this faith lied in your grandmother Lois. And when it's also in your mother Eunice. But I declare, young minister, it's also in you. Is there anybody here that knows? I know we're in the middle of a bad time in this country. But thank God for the faith that was passed down through the generation. Same faith that lived in your grandmother and the same faith that lived in your grandfather and the same faith that lived in your elders lives in you. He says, Timothy, it lives in you. And because it lives in you, you just need to fan the flame of the gift that's on the inside of you. Old King James says, stir it up. Fan the flame, fan the flame. Uh, uh, let me lean into fanning the flame this way. I was a little boy. Not too long ago, we had a house not far from here. In that house, it had a chimney. And out back, we had a stack of wood. I know, don't nobody make fires anymore. But we didn't have a whole bunch of money. So we couldn't turn the heat too far up. But if you wanted to warm up, you could build a fire. My dad and my mama taught me how to build a fire that you get smaller pieces of wood called kindling. You light your fire, and when that kindling gets to a certain level, you can take a large log and put it on the fire. Y'all in here with me? I know some folk who are older than me. Y'all know what a fire is. And the way I was built was, I like to try to get the largest log we had. Because I was a little lazy, y'all. Didn't want to keep going back and forth to get more. But once that fire got going, I would dump that big log on the fire. And I would fall asleep watching TV. And the cold would wake me up. When the cold woke me up, I would wonder, did the fire go out? Oftentimes, I would call my mama and say, Mama, is the fire going out? She said, No, son, it ain't out. But there's something that you need to do. There was a little iron rod called a poker on the edge of the fireplace. And she said, If you take that rod and kind of lift up the big log and poke around, what was inside the fire will be exposed to something on the outside and it will allow the flame to frame back up. Is there anybody in the house this morning that all you got to do when you are a person of God to poke around just a little bit in your life and think about what he's done for you and the flame. 
rise up in your life. Maybe, maybe that didn't, maybe, maybe that didn't get you. Let me, let me lean in this way. I know in Salem Church, we got some folk that can show enough cook. Uh, I know we got some folk here who have come from New Orleans. And they can show enough cook. We got some folk who are from the outskirts in Georgia and they can show enough cook. Anybody know folk that can show enough cook? Y'all, y'all playing with me, y'all. My mama's cornbread was so good, y'all, when I got home from school. It was my afternoon snack. I, I didn't eat no apples and cookies. I, I, I went back in the refrigerator, took out a piece of cornbread, throw it in the microwave for 15 seconds, and I had a ball every time I got home from school. But show enough cook. Anybody know show enough cooks? If you're cooking something like soup or, or jambalaya or chili, you know that it takes a long time for it to be right. That if you've ever been around the kitchen as a little boy, you could smell the aroma of whatever was cooking in the pot on the stove. And you tap mama and say, is it ready yet? She said, no, son, it's not ready yet. It's got to simmer a little bit longer. You think, oh, no, it smells so good. I, I know it's ready. He said, she said, no, it ain't been on them but a couple of hours, but it got to simmer a little bit longer. But she say, son, here's what you can do. On the countertop, there is a spoon. And you can take that spoon, dip it into that jambalaya or chili, and simply stir it up. And all the herbs, and all the spices, and all the veggies that have gone to the bottom. Y'all not hearing me. It will raise up to the top. What I'm trying to say, what's deep down on the inside. All you got to do is learn to stir it up just a little bit longer. And the very aroma that you smell will get down on the inside of you. And you will be able to live your life, Timothy. What's on the inside? Stir it up. Stir up the gift that is in you. This, this faith, this, this Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Timothy, indwells you. The Holy Spirit, Timothy, has baptized you. But the Holy Spirit also has anointed you. Because he said that the same faith that lived in you was given to you by the laying on of hands. Uh, the New Testament laying on of hands came from an Old Testament Thing where they would do that with the priests and with the prophets he said somebody touch you to signify the anointing that is on you and so the spirit not only is in you the spirit not only has immersed you but the spirit has been rubbed upon you and it will fill you so don't, don't get it twisted. Timothy, because scholars think that because he grew up with a grandmother and a mother, they think that he was timid and effeminate. Right, right, yeah. 
Paul wanted to encourage him and say, don't let your upbringing determine God's purpose in your life. Because no matter if you grew up with two ladies, God has made, has put something in your life that has made you more than a man. He says, Timothy, you ain't got to be a punk at all. Because of what lives on the inside you. Y'all think I'm lying. He said, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. Don't get it twisted. You can stand there because God has put in you something where you don't have to fear. But you got to know. In Christian leadership, you can't be punking out. Because folk will test everything that is in you. I'm not talking about Salem Church. I'm talking about other church folk. They will test everything that's in you. But don't miss it. Not being a punk doesn't mean being mean. It means you got to love even more. Because God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of love. Is there anybody here that understands when folk mess with you, you got to learn how to love them even more? Jesus said, love your enemies and love those that despitefully use you and say all matter against your falsehood. For my name, say anybody here knows that if you love, God's name is lifted. It says, do you know who you're working for? Because of what's in you. But he also moves on to say that you ought to fan the flame. Stir up the gift that is in you. That has been given to you by the laying on of hands. Moves on to say though that you also got to learn how to suffer for the sake of the gospel. We live in a time now. And I don't want to keep sounding like I'm old. But we live in a time now where there are generations that don't want to suffer for nothing. Don't, don't miss it. I birthed that generation. So don't get it twisted. You did too, some of you. Where they believe that simply because they're here, they're supposed to have certain things in life. They're supposed to work, walk into the job and be the manager. They're supposed to go on the car lot and find whatever car they want. They think money grows on trees and, and comes through the air in just combustion. But Paul says that Timothy, you're going to have to suffer in ministry. And is there anybody here that's ever been in ministry? Don't, don't get twitchy. You ain't got to be a preacher. Have you ever done anything that you've had to suffer through? 
Some have had to suffer as parents. Some have had to suffer as leaders in the church. Some have had to suffer on the job. But you got to suffer. When you suffer, you do it for his name's sake. Paul was familiar with suffering. Uh, we miss it oftentimes. That was the message of his ministry. He was on his way to Damascus. God got him and said, go in Damascus. And there's a man there named Ananias. And I've already talked to him. And watch this, he says, and I've told Ananias how much Saul must suffer for my name's sake. I think ministry can't be what it needs to be unless you learn how to deal with the suffering of life. God won't bless you unless you learn how to suffer because when you suffer, all of your worry and doubt turn away from the folk that you think got you and it allows you to lean on him. Paul had been beaten. Paul had been whipped. Paul had been shipwrecked. Paul had been snake bitten. But he understood all of that was a part of what God said my ministry was going to be from the very beginning. Says Timothy, you got to learn how to share in the suffering of the gospel. Uh, and it says that this suffering is come from it is the power of God who has saved us and He called us into a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus. Uh, he also says, Timothy, you got to know who you work for because you got to teach sound things so that people are on solid ground. He says, Timothy, you've been taught by me what's right. And I need you to stand on the ground that is solid. I need you to teach them that Jesus is the reason for all that we are. I need you to teach them that he justified us with his life. That he sanctifies us by his death and resurrection. That he qualifies us by our own calling through him. Jesus is what you teach. And his gospel is what you let, let people know about. You stand on that solid ground. Teach of sound doctrine. Now, I know we live in a day where folk don't want to hear sound doctrine. But he says you teach them stuff that is sound and suffer through the soundness. Says follow the pattern of sound words that you heard from me. Faith and love and in Christ by the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. He says God the good deposit that was entrusted in you. Guard it. Uh, one of my favorite animals in the animal kingdom, y'all, is the African honey badger. You want to get a favorite animal, go to Africa. Y'all didn't hear me on that. But the, the, the honey badger 
is one of my favorite animals because he's not he or she, they're not too big, but they ain't scared of nothing. And they, and they live their young life. Their appetites are so voracious where they find African honeybees. The African bee is better than the American bee. Y'all still ain't heard me. But the African bee is mean and nasty. And African bees will kill whatever tries to attack them. But the honey badger, he don't care. He goes in and he eats honey, being stung hundreds to thousands of times. It's, it's the craziest thing. Their faces swell up, and all they do is brush the bees off and keep on eating. And then finally, when it gets too bad, they will get out of the way and go do something else. Well, because they live their lives eating honey, something gets down on the inside of them. One day I saw a, 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 a thing talking about a honey badger, and he came upon an African pit viper. Remember I told you they ain't scared of nothing? And, and they eat anything? Well, he was hungry. He, did, he knew that this snake was venomous. And instead of trying to avoid it, he went after it. Grabbed him and started eating on him. And the snake was biting all over him. And he was eating. And you could see the venom start to take charge. And honey badger started to go down. And eventually, the honey badger laid down and was lifeless. And you thought that, okay, he done ran into his match. He finally has met something that's tougher than he is. But a few hours went by, people of God. And you can see sleep knocking out the honey badger. He started to shake his head a little bit. And he shook his head, and then eventually his eyes flung open. And he kind of got his wits about himself. And when he got his wits about himself, he remembered the snake that he was eating. And just picked him right up <laughs> and started eating him again. All I'm trying to help you out is understand that the bees have made a deposit in the, in the honey badger. To the point where the snake couldn't harm him. Is there anybody here that knows that God has deposited something in you? That when enemies come to eat up your flesh, they will stumble. And you can go to bed at night. Wake up in the morning and shake your head. Wipe the sleep out your eyes. Shake your limbs. And you can come up again on another day and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I ain't got no money, but I will rejoice and be glad in it. You need to learn to guard that.
God what God has put in you. God what your mama and your daddy taught you. God when those folk on the job try to come at you. God when you out on the highways and byways and folk cut you off. God was saying. Say God. I'm almost done. He says then. He says share in the suffering as a good soldier. He said because soldiers don't get caught up in civilian pursuits. Uh, Over here in America, we struggle with first world problems. Some of us get mad when we go down to the grocery store and they ain't got our favorite loaf of bread on the shelf. And you got 45 more right that you're looking at. First world problem. That we get mad that we go to the pump and the gas prices are slightly elevated than what they were a couple months ago. And we get mad at God as he allows us to keep on moving in life. First world problem. We go to houses that got more bedrooms than we need. And we get mad at God because we want even more bedrooms. First world problems. But come here if you go to Ukraine right now. Soldiers can't worry about how much bread ain't on the shelves. They can't worry about if their houses are even there or not. They can't worry because they can't even afford gas anymore. Because their soldier men and women are dying all around them. What I'm trying to say, if you are a soldier of the cross, you can't get caught up in what's going on in civilian pursuits. Soldiers got bullets flying everywhere. And I'm just trying to help you. Are you a soldier of the cross? Stand up and let somebody know that I'm not worried about the gas prices. Because I'm trying to fight the war of the years above. A soldier gets entangled in Brazilian. Watch this. He says, because... You don't get caught up in uh, civilian pursuits because your aim is to please the one who enlisted you. I thought thought in church, somebody will know who signed your name with his blood. Is there anybody here that knows the one who enlisted you? He didn't allow you to sign your name. He signed your name with his blood. That Jesus died a long time ago. And he is the general in God's army. And he signed your name with his blood. He was the one who enlisted you. So don't you worry about civilian pursuits. Thank God. For the one who enlisted you. Good morning, Salem. May the Lord bless you. And may he do it real good. 
But before I take my seat, I just want to encourage you to do your best. Do your best when you feel like you're all by yourself. Do your best when everybody around you is cheering you on. Do your best when you don't have a dime in your pocket. But do your best when the coffers are overflowing. Do your best when you feel like you can't go on. Do your best when God will push you a little bit higher. I'm trying to help you out learn to do your best. Do your best when you feel like it. Do your best when you don't feel like it. Do your best when you're up. Do your best when you're down. Do your best when you're in. Do your best when you're out. Is there anybody here that will commit today to do your best? Well, you say, preacher, why should I do my best? Because the Lord, he gave you his best. And is there anybody here that say, I'll do my best because he gave me his best. His best came through 40 and two generations. That is God's best. His best went along the Galilean hillside, healing the sick, waking, opening blind eyes, raising the dead. I'm just talking about his best. His best went all the way to Calvary's hill. He died. His best died. Didn't he die? He died until the sun shut down his Instagram and shut down his Twitter account and refused to shine. He died until the moon dripped away in blood. He died until the earth reeled and rocked like a drunken man. I'm trying to tell you this is God's best. They laid him in a bar or two, stayed in that tomb all night Friday. I'm talking about God's best. Stay there all day Saturday. I'm talking about God's best. Stay there late over Saturday evening. I'm talking about God's best. But is there anybody here to know God's best? Ain't gonna never be down for long. But right early, early, early Sunday morning, his best got up with all power in his hand. You do your best because he gave you his best. His best is at the right hand of the Father, pleading your case. His best is coming back. And one day, the trumpet will sound. And his best will come and get his own. Do your best because he gave you his best. Do your best because God is still on the throne. Do your best because he will. He will. He will. work for you can do the very best that you got and 
I just want to encourage you this morning that your best is good enough for God. That, that whatever he's put down on the inside of you is his gift. The breath that you breathe is his breath. And so you got the best in you. So give your best. For if when you give the best of your service, telling the world that the Savior has come, don't be dismayed when men don't believe you. He'll understand. And he'll say, well done. Amen, amen. You heard plainly 
if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I want you now to consider preaching is not for entertainment. Preaching is to bring you for this moment right here. There's something in you that needs to be turned around, something in you that needs to be fixed. Now is the time for you to yield to him. Now is the time for you to take your life and turn it over. Turn it over to him. You all know when I come to this point, I like to shut everything down. I don't want you, I don't want you to shout through this. I don't want you to shout through this. This is the time for you to consider where you are in Christ. See, you can walk out of here feeling good. You've heard a good sermon. God knows this man is preached up in here today. Oh. You could walk out of here feeling good. You could walk out of here. You're feeling like you're on top of the earth. But I can't let you walk out like that. Before you leave, you've got to be challenged. Before you leave, you've got to hold the mirror up and see, do I, do I have anything to shout about? Where am I with Jesus? Where, where am I? Where, where, where do I stand? Have I really accepted him as Lord and Savior? Have I yielded my life to him? And right now is that chance that you have. If you're unsaved, you can yield right now. If you're unsaved, and don't worry about that. Don't, don't, don't let anybody fool you. Don't, you see, you, you think you got to wait until you get right. And I'm here to tell you, if you could get right, you don't need to come. The reason why you need to come is because you can't get it right. But if you yield it to him today, you heard from the word of God today. He, he's already, the stuff is in you. Got to stir it up. And I want to invite you to come. Somebody ought to be moving. Let me ask the ministers to go to the aisle. Let's prepare to receive those that God will send today. Won't you come? The cross. Oh, if you're here today unsaved, you ought to be coming. If you're already saved and looking for a church covering, you ought to be moving right now. Just
I'm, I'm talking about salvation. I just want to make sure before we take our seats that you've actually thought about where you are, that you've actually thought about what your relationship is with him. And I'm just bidding you not to put it off any further, not put it off any longer. There's a need to move. There's a need to move now. And if you're here, I just want to make sure I give you every opportunity. Yes. The church is praying for you right now. Just so, yes, shall I Yeah. 
it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Why don't we bless the Lord? Why don't we bless the Lord in this house? We thank God the gospel has been preached. Amen goes right there. I say the gospel has been preached. His word is true if I be lifted up from the earth. I will draw all men unto me. And the word is true. We find one who has come as Pastor Haynes, we have Dr. Reginald Brown. He's coming to rededicate all right. to the Lord. All right. Y'all bless the Lord. Hey, bless the Lord. We thank God. We thank God for that something within. That something within that lets us know that lets us know when it's time to get it back on track. God bless you, sir. After the service is over, they'll be getting some more information from you, and I'll be glad. I want to just spend some time with you. God bless you. Happy to have you here in this place. Y'all bless the Lord in here. Bless the Lord in this place. Amen, amen. Have we heard from heaven today? Have we heard... From heaven today, I thank God for this preacher. I thank God for using him mightily here in this place. Today, I, I, I want to thank him for just making himself available. And those of you, everybody in this house knows that not only is he my spiritual son, he is my biological son. And uh, y'all bless my ear. Let me do this so we won't be in trouble. He is our biological son. See, I, could, I could feel it. I could just feel it. I, I could feel it. Amen, amen. But I, I, I'm grateful uh, for the help. Uh, I was saying to a group yesterday I had to preaching a convention on yesterday and uh, uh, that, had, that was a time that I would do that and come right on here and go right on but I thank God now that God is sending a son that and I say I didn't think of this he said daddy are you going to be able to do that <laughs> and I said well son yeah I can do it he said daddy are you going to be able to do that and the more I thought about it I said you know it would be a shame for me to show up in heaven, have preached myself to death, <laughs> when God has put all of this help around me. And so I thank God, I thank God for him thinking of me as, as from, from the standpoint of a son, but I thank God for all of the preachers in this church. Amen. And I'll tell all y'all, getting ready, I'm coming, I got another birthday coming, so all of y'all just get ready, get ready and... Uh, been meaning to tell y'all to study up on the book of Acts because y'all gonna have to help me get through this book. So I thank God for each one of you. I thank God, Jason, for you. God bless you, sir. Amen. Uh, I want I want to make sure that I do do justice to this. So I'm going to ask that uh, 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 Sister Brooks will just come and tell us what's coming up with our children. Amen. She's going to tell you, and uh, it's 
Uh, Reverend Japaris Key, are you in the house? All right. Good afternoon, Salem. On behalf of Youth and Children's Ministry, we would like to invite you back next Sunday, um, both in-house and virtually. We'd like to take a moment to pause and bless our children. We're blessed, sending blessings back with our administrators and as well as our teachers. Salem as a whole has been fortunate enough to have several brand new teachers that are right out of Salem that are going into our schools and I consider that to be a blessing for the students because not only are they taking what they've learned in school, they are taking what has been embedded in them from God into our school systems. So we invite you to come back next Sunday, 11 o'clock, um, for those in-house and virtually. We want to invite in our teachers, our students, and our administrators for a day of Sunday prayer. Thank you. Amen, amen. Y'all bless the Lord. Amen, amen. I don't know if it's just me, but I know it's not just me. I've been just, just noticing that uh, all of our Salem babies, not all of them, but a lot of our Salem babies now are teachers. Uh, they're getting hired with the school system, and so we just have a bunch of teachers uh, here in the church, and I'm just uh, praying about how we're going to make that work for them and make that work for the kingdom of God. I just believe that God is doing something. I believe God is doing something. We're seeing all of these young people hired into the school system and becoming teachers. And I just believe that if we can join them up with those who are already teaching and then join them up with teachers who are retired, I believe that there's a force to be reckoned with right here in these pews. So we're going to be talking to retired teachers. We're going to be talking to those who are retired. We're going to be talking to those who have been teaching for years and our brand new teachers. And we're going to organize right here in this church. I believe there's something that God is about to do. Amen. Let's not forget our homecoming activities, our homecoming on the third uh, week in August. Uh, that is our homecoming weekend, and you go to the website, you see all of the activities, Saturday, Sunday. We want everybody who has ever come through Salem, uh, we want them to be a part of that great weekend of worship. We're going to be on the third Sunday, we're going to be worshiping outside. Uh, going to be a wonderful day of worship, and we're just looking forward to all of you. Please spread the word to everybody that you know who has ever been a part of Salem Church. We want to have a real homecoming day. Following that, that Monday night, the revival will be there. will be three-night revival, and Pastor Darrell Bloodsaw, uh, who is my new pastor from Ebenezer Baptist Church West in Athens. He'll be leading us in revival for three nights following that. So we just look forward now to what God is about to do. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. I'm so happy to see, I see sprinkling my nieces and my nephews over there. And one of my, 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 my nephew, uh, Pastor Tommy Randolph, pastor of New Hope uh, Baptist Church in Frank, Franklin. Uh, he's here and his wife Paula who is my niece, and I, that, that's how you got to be my nephew. I know you look at him and say, how in the world are you going to be an uncle to somebody that old? <laughs> but he married my young niece. <laughs> amen. You all stand up over there. Amen, amen. Now all the rest of my nieces and nephews, y'all stand up over there. Ah, glory, hey. 
All right, God, all y'all in the house, bless. Amen, so good to see you. God bless you. God keep you is our prayer. Let's not forget Elder Brunson. Uh, he has uh, he has on the on the outside. He has uh, his new CD. Is it CD? CDs available. Um, so let's not forget him. We do want to thank him for coming and always being so willing to come and to share with us uh, in our worship setting. God bless you, and God keep you is our prayer. I'm trying to think on my feet. I want to make sure, and so many things that I. Uh, I want us to, I want to make sure that if there are those who are visiting us for the first time, will you stand if you're here for the first time? All right, sir. You are you, you, us now. <laughs> All right. We got, God bless you. We're so happy to have you here for the first time, but we are so happy that Spirit has moved you today to come back into the body of Christ, and we're going to claim you. We go, you. You belong to us right now. We'll, we'll talk about what you're going to do beyond this, but the, the right now you belong. You belong to us. Amen. Let's be in prayer for Sister Johnny Tate, uh, who had surgery on this week. Let's pray that God will just continue her recovery. Amen. God be with you till we meet again. Thank our praise team. Thank Reverend Bush. Thank everybody for being right up our ushers. Thank you so much. to submit your tithe and offering online at www.thechurchwithzeal.org slash give on cash app at dollar sign the church with zeal via the givelify app 
by mail to Salem Missionary Baptist Church, P.O. Box 817, Lilburn, Georgia, 30048, or in person at the church office on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. It's not necessary to wait until Sunday to give. Online, Givelify, Cash App, or mail-in contributions may be submitted on any day of the week. Thank you for your continued support of the ministry at Salem Missionary Baptist Church.